This is The World in 10 from the Times of London on Saturday the 4th of February. I'm Nkem Ifejika. And I'm Amy Gill. The US Secretary of State has cancelled a trip to Beijing after the alleged Chinese spy balloon which drifted across US airspace. China's decision to fly a surveillance balloon over the continental United States is both unacceptable and irresponsible. And Ukraine hosts EU leaders for the first time since the Russian invasion. Ukraine is the EU. The EU is Ukraine. Let's make it happen. The United States has postponed high-level diplomatic talks with Beijing after the discovery of a Chinese spy balloon drifting over American missile silos. China claims it is a weather balloon that blew off course. Antony Blinken, the Secretary of State, was due to meet President Xi Jinping in Beijing on Sunday for talks aimed at easing tensions that have been strained over issues such as Taiwan, trade and the pandemic. After the sighting of the Chinese balloon, however, the State Department said it had postponed Mr Blinken's trip. It would have been the first meeting between President Xi and a U.S. Secretary of State for six years. Mr. Blinken said the Chinese balloon was a violation. China's decision to fly a surveillance balloon over the continental United States is both unacceptable and irresponsible. It's a violation of our sovereignty. It's a violation of international law. And it was very important that we, of course, take the actions we did to protect any sensitive information, to protect our people, and to make clear to China that, uh, again, this is an unacceptable as well as irresponsible action. Pentagon officials have said they're certain that the craft is an intelligence-gathering balloon, most certainly launched by the People's Republic of China. Conan Nolan is a political correspondent for NBC News. He told Times Radio that China and the United States can't afford to fall out. We're starting to see a slow, gradual descent into another Cold War Little elements like this, little things like this, potentially have the way way of damaging that relationship in subtle patterns, subtle ways that can, over time, lead to a, a much larger international issue. So they're hoping to put this behind them, no doubt. The high-altitude balloon the size of three buses was first seen over Montana, which is home to about 150 intercontinental ballistic missile silos. The balloon was seen moving over Alaska's Aleutian Islands and through Canada before appearing over the city of Billings, Montana, on Wednesday. While air raid sirens wailed out, Kyiv played host to European Union leaders in the first EU-Ukraine summit on Ukrainian soil since Russia's invasion last year. President Zelensky hoped the EU would fast-track his country's membership, but also use the summit to call for more long-range weapons. He says if deliveries of these weapons are made faster, Ukraine will not withdraw from Bakhmut and can start to drive Russians out of the Donbass region. The city of Bakhmut has become the focal point of Ukrainian resistance and of Moscow's drive to regain battlefield momentum. As for Ukraine's membership to the EU, the European Council President, Charles Michel, said he was hopeful. Because it can be no safe and independent Europe without safe and independent Ukraine. Ukraine is the EU. The EU is Ukraine. Let's make it happen. But neither he nor the bloc's commission president, Ursula von der Leyen, set any rigid timelines. The Times' diplomatic correspondent, Catherine Philip, is in Kyiv. I think, though, that what we saw by the EU leaders coming to Kyiv is a very strong show of support for Ukraine and for its future in Europe, which was a message 
um, to Moscow that the West has not tired of its support. Following the summit, President Zelensky announced his hope. What are the concrete results we reached today? We have an understanding that it will be possible for Ukraine to start EU accession negotiations this year. There is also an understanding with our partners that this year, same as last year, we have to strengthen the defence of the country and the pressure on Russia, among other pressures, sanction pressure. Also announced at the summit was the EU's 10th package of sanctions against Russia which is said to fall short of Kyiv's expectations. You're listening to The World in 10, insights and analysis into all the top stories from around the world, and all in just 10 minutes. On the way, Pope Benedict has been visiting South Sudan and calling for peace. After being found not liable for fraud over his tweets, Elon Musk said a simple hey guys as he left the court. It all began back in 2018 when the billionaire entrepreneur who runs Tesla said in a tweet that he was considering taking the electric car company private. Musk added that he'd secured enough financing to do so. Tesla's stock price rose and then subsequently fell when a buyout didn't happen. Some shareholders took Musk to court. They had an economist who said they'd lost up to $12 billion. Elon Musk took to the stand during the case, arguing that he felt he had secured the funding, even though he didn't have a formal commitment from potential backers. Musk's lawyers argued that perhaps he shouldn't have used the words funding secured, but that this didn't amount to fraud to which the jury agreed. Later during the day after the case ended, Musk tweeted, Thank goodness the wisdom of the people has prevailed. For the first time in history, the Pope, the Archbishop of Canterbury and the moderator of the Church of Scotland have embarked on a pilgrimage of peace together. The three church heads arrived in South Sudan, a predominantly Christian country, on Friday. In the country's capital, Juba, Pope Francis was greeted by thousands of people cheering and dancing as he was driven from the airport into town. Many waved the flags of South Sudan, the United Kingdom, Scotland and the Vatican. During his first address at the presidential palace and in front of South Sudan's leader, President Salva Kiir, the Pope made an impassioned speech imploring for peace. No more of this. The papacy said as he calls in the name of God for the president and vice presidents to end the bloodshed. South Sudan is the world's youngest country after it broke from Sudan in 2011, but civil war erupted in 2013 and despite a peace deal five years later, violence and hunger still plague the country. Pope Francis had wanted to visit for years but hadn't been able to due to instability on the ground. On Saturday, the three Christian leaders will meet with a group of internally displaced people and hear their stories. On Sunday, the Pope will celebrate Mass before flying back to Rome. With news of the return to Formula One of a legendary engine manufacturer, here's John Jackson with the sport. Ford will return to Formula One in 2026 after announcing a partnership with the reigning champions Red Bull. The US carmaker will partner Red Bull Powertrains, the company established to build engines for Red Bull and sister team AlphaTauri after an existing customer arrangement with Honda expires. Ford is the third most successful engine manufacturer in F1 history, but left the sport when they sold their Jaguar-branded team to Red Bull in 2004. Formula One will have a new power unit from 2026, using 100% sustainable fuels and a greater electrical component. 
Ford's announcement comes after rival General Motors and their Cadillac brand teamed up with Andretti Autosport, who are seeking to enter Formula One as an 11th team. Formula One's governing body, the FIA, formally started a process on Thursday that could lead to new teams entering the championship from 2025. Celebrated fashion designer Paco Rabanne has died at the age of 88. The Spanish designer was famous for his eccentric designs, such as his debut collection in the 1960s titled 12 Unwearable Dresses in Contemporary Materials. The collection featured dresses made of sharp metals and other unlikely materials. He was also known for his provocative outbursts. At various stages, he claimed to have lived multiple lives, and in his 1999 book, Fire from Heaven, he predicted the fall of Paris after a Russian space station crashed into the Earth. The same year, however, he retired and was rarely seen again in public. A statement on Paco Rabanne's Instagram accounts paid tribute to its founder, saying he was among the most seminal fashion figures of the 20th century. And finally, a Canadian teenager has won the equivalent of 35.8 million US dollars on her first time playing the lottery. 18-year-old Juliette Lamore had forgotten all about the ticket until she heard the news that someone in her town had the winning ticket from the draw in early January. She checked it on the mobile app while at work and a jingle began to play with Big Winner flashing on the screen. Her boss was kind enough to tell her she could leave early, but her mother, as mothers do, insisted she stay and finish her shift. Lamore has modest plans for the money. She wants a debt-free journey through medical school and she would like to do some travelling with her family. She also wants to return to northern Ontario, where she's from, and give back to her community. Lamore's money manager dad will help with financial advice, having already been the person who told her what kind of lottery ticket to buy. And that's your World in 10 from the Times of London on Saturday the 4th of February. This podcast from the Times is brought to you in partnership with Google Podcasts.